Hello and welcome to the Broadway Binge Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Hannah. And I'm Sherelle. And we are going to tell you the history of American musical theater by reviewing and ranking all of the most important musicals from Showboat to today. Today we'll be discussing The Pajama Game with book by George Abbott and Richard Blissell, music and lyrics by Richard Adler and Jerry Ross based on the book Seven and a Half Cents by Richard Blissell (laughs) and produced by Frederick Brisson, Robert E. Griffith, and Harold S. Prince. Uh, So first we should introduce our special guest. Uh, she comes all the way from a few blocks down the street in Manhattan while we all went to college together. Welcome, Sherelle Bryant. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited. This is awesome. Ah! <laughs> um, Sherelle, Jeremy, and I made a lot of theater together in college. Um, fun fact, Sherelle also just ran on a marathon. Is that true? It's true. That That is true. Like, That's casually. It's <laughs> the last time I saw Sherelle, she was like, I haven't done the full thing yet. Um you know, we'll see. And uh, now I'm hearing that she did, in fact, run the marathon. So um, all of our uh, listeners, I hope you feel bad about your bodies. Um, <laughs> Definitely <laughs> don't. It was slow, but good. <laughs> it was slow, but good. Good. All right, great. Well, now that we have that out of the way. Uh, Sherelle, why don't you tell us about your experience with the pajama game? Because uh, we brought you on as the resident expert on the show. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I would definitely not consider myself an expert, but I did perform in the pajama game in the ninth grade. Um, At our Um. school, you had a ninth grade musical as bonding in the winter, and ours was the pajama game. I I think I was May. I was trying to remember who I was. I think I was May, who is like one of the women in the union with Babe. So had some had some speaking, speaking parts. (laughs) Few solos. (laughs) Is, Is May the one who does May end up with someone? Is there a romance? I see. That's the part that I didn't remember in the movie. She has like a rom- yeah, a little romance happening. Mm-hmm. Maybe they cut that from the high school version because it was too risque. I don't know. May- I mean, yeah, but Gladys does get very drunk, and we did that part. <laughs> so, um, so the pajama game opened on May thirteenth, nineteen fifty four, at the St. James Theater, and it ran for one thousand sixty three performances. So it was a huge hit at the time. It won the Tony for best musical. Uh, Bob Fosse won the Tony for Best Choreography. We're going to talk a lot about him. And Carol Haney won the Tony for Best Featured Actress at the time. So um, this was a big hit, and it has had a huge life, as Sherelle knows, in high school performances, <laughs> middle school performances, community theater. This is when you, If you have an image in your mind of like tame 1950s musicals that small children can perform without offending anyone... And they'll look really cute wearing like grown-up clothing and their parents will take lots of pictures. <laughs> this is the definition of that show. There has never been a better middle school. Maybe the music man, like that's in contention <laughs> as well, but like this is uh-huh. middle school theater right here. Well, okay, maybe real quick before we get into the history of the show, why do we think that is? Um, I'd love to just preface that discussion. Like, why is it because it's called the pajama game? So it sounds adorable. Um, is it because it's just a super tame show? Um, I don't know. Would love to hear your thoughts. Yours specifically, Sherelle, because you did it in middle school. Yeah, I think it was... None of us were, like, extremely excited when we heard it was announced <laughs> that we were doing the pajama game. Sure. Because I don't think anybody had heard it before. Um, sure. But I think the songs are, like, pretty, like, relatable. Like, I think the songs were on the radio, like, performed mm-hmm. by other artists afterwards. So they're, like, good, like popish songs that so it's like the hamilton mixtape basically yeah (laughs) yeah exactly like that so like that made it like easy for people to like pick up the music 
Um, there are mm-hmm. good dance numbers. Like Steam Heat was just like a great dance Steam number. Heat. You can get a good ensemble going. And I think, yeah, plot wise, like if you don't dig in too deeply, like you can explain <laughs> the plot pretty easily to mm-hmm. ninth graders or middle schoolers or whatever. Well- that might be a good segue right into plot, I think. I always feel like we forget to tell the plot of the show we're talking about until like three quarters of the way through the episode. So maybe we like foreground with that and then Jeremy, you can take us on a little history journey. Okay. I mean, Cheryl, do you want to go over yeah. the plot or, or like from memory or would you rather I <laughs> oh. snap at it? I, I would say you go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, there's not much to talk about. We're not going to go into extreme yeah. detail. Um, basically there is a pajama factory in the fifties and this is, uh, there's a lot of union, um, unions were much bigger back then than they are now. Um, and there was a lot of battling Mm -hmm. between, um, unions and management. So here you have a new manager of the floor of the pajama shop. His name is Sid and he falls in love with Babe. That's her name. Her name is Babe. Um, it's probably, it's Catherine Babe Williams, but they call her Babe and she's the leader of the union grievance committee. So Sid shoves a man, um, because that was okay back then, I guess, and she has to investigate this issue as the Union Grievance Committee. They fall in love very quickly, they fall very deeply in love suspiciously fast, um, but the Union <laughs> wants to get a raise of seven and a half cents per hour, I imagine, and there is going to be a strike, so he fires her, and it seems like they're going to fall out of love. But then it turns out that the boss has already sort of added seven and a half cents to the price, but has just been pocketing all the money himself. Um, they realize this, and Sid finds that out, and they give the seven and a half cents to the workers, and they're able to get back together happily ever after. And the show is not forced to actually resolve the political question of like whether labor or management should win. They're able to just pin all the blame on like one bad figure and sidestep all the political concerns of the time. Ooh, and okay. Everyone is okay, in love. a hot take. A hot take, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's hot. We're overusing the word hot take. That's what Broadway Man 5 is upset about. Did you hear about this issue, Sherelle, Broadway Man 5? <laughs> no, but I, like, agree. I agree with that hot or not take, <laughs> I think. Yeah. We had a, and we, we feel, we're feeling really chuffed lately because we have a hater on the internet um, named Broadway Man 5, oh. who, um, he said that we're just full of hot takes and that I think everything's sexual imagery and that our podcast is poorly researched. <laughs> and um, we're delighted. Anyway. That's, so we feel good about it. That's yeah. incredible. Um, so basically, yeah. I don't know if that's a hot take because I read about it in a textbook, which is like uh-huh. the coldest. It's really the opposite. It's uh, the coldest of takes. It's the coldest of takes, yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, I mean, you don't want to. This is during the Red Scare. There's McCarthyism in the right. Senate. So no one wants mm-hmm. to uh, take a side on a political issue because that'll turn off half the audience. So it's much easier to have it resolved by deus ex machina. So that's the plot. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Great. Well, we'll we'll loop back. Um, great. I would love uh to get into um this choreographer that you were rather excited about. Yeah. Jeremy Berman. Yes. So one interesting thing about this is Jerome Robbins, and we previously talked about him as like the best choreographer ever, was involved in the show. He co-directed it with George Abbott, who we've also talked about. George Abbott directed On Town and Pal Joey. Uh, but Jerome Robbins was sort of uh, directing but not choreographing, which is very rare for him because his whole thing is choreographing. And they were trying out this new guy, Bob Fosse, who'd been doing a little bit of choreography for MGM over in Los Angeles. He came over to New York to New York to do Broadway choreo for the very first time. And Jerome Robbins was sort of in the background uh, thinking that 
if Fosse screwed anything up or was bad at any choreo, he could just step in and uh, replace it. Here, I'm going to turn to a page. Cut out all the silences. This is here. 579. Don't cut the whistling, it's charming. No, I will. <laughs> I'm also going to cut out where we talked about Broadway Mad 5, because we've already gone over him two episodes in a row. This was no! just us We have. We've talked about him on every single episode since <laughs> we're obsessed. <laughs> Jeremy cuts all the parts I like. I'm like, who's Broadway Man Two? Who's Broadway Broadway Man Three? Yeah, so Bob Fosse started dancing in Chicago. He was a teenage hoofer. He had a friend, and the two of them would go around dancing. And he really wanted to be the next Fred Astaire. So um, he eventually got discovered by uh, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, who were like a pair who did a lot of stuff. And they were dancing on TV shows. Eventually, he started choreographing uh, movie musicals. If you watched the Kiss Me Kate movie, I actually did not. When we talked about Kiss Me Kate, I didn't watch the movie version. Mm -hmm. But there's one moment where randomly a man and woman just do this really great jazz dance in Shakespearean costume and has nothing to do with the plot. Um, I only discovered that this morning when I was looking up YouTube clips of Bob Fosse. But that was him and his wife at the time. And they did a really good dance. And... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so... Just describe the entire plot of Kiss Me, Kate, but anyway. Basically. So then he, can't, he comes out to New York and starts to choreograph. So Steam Heat um, is the best number. We always say in Broadway Binge to the audience, like, there's some things that we can't play audio for you. You have to go and actually watch it. And usually you don't need to actually watch it. The first time ever I'd actually say, listener, I am assigning you real homework. You should really go just look up on YouTube Steam Heat. It has nothing to do with the plot. It's completely back to the old <laughs> days of Anything Goes, where the songs and the dances really are unrelated to the plot. This whole musical is kind of like that, but especially Steam Heat. For some reason, these three union people come out dressed in Bob Fosse costume with the little <laughs> uh, bowler hats and their little suits, and they just do this really amazing jazz dance that's some people say it's the best dance in Broadway history. I'm not inclined to disagree oh. with such such luminaries of the past who, oh. who have made this claim. Um, <laughs> um, but Cheryl, what do you think of Steam yeah, Heat? Yeah, Cheryl, what do you think of Steam Heat? Oh, I love Steam Heat. So that was my first introduction, really, to like being, like getting to do choreography in like a musical. Lots of bowler hats. <laughs> also, yes, the fact that that included hat choreography is incredible. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Huge. And like watching Steam Heat, like. I yeah, I just rewatched the movie. So good, like so good. I just I just re like kept rewinding back to that part. It's so good. Should we? Even though this doesn't tell you anything about why Steam Heat's good, let's play a little clip of Steam Heat. Let's soon. just play a little. Just I, I don't even know what the purpose of this is, but we're gonna do it. Yeah. So here you go. We're gonna do it. Great. <laughs> Picture like three hunched over individuals moving their knees back and forth. <laughs> that makes it sound not good, Jeremy. <laughs> but in a good no, way. No, picture some rad hat choreography. <laughs> yeah. If you know anything it's about clever. Fosse at all, then you can sort of picture the epitome of Fosse-esque choreography. This is the epitome of Fosse. And I knew his stuff from like Chicago and Pippin. I didn't know about this. I knew Cabaret. Um, Cheryl and I were in Cabaret together. We were. Yes. Yeah. 
So I really feel it all goes uh, back to the pajama game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we have pajama game to thank. So people who who are listening who don't know anything about Bob Fosse, I assume the number of people who fit that category are few, but um, no shame. Fosse goes on to become one of the most definitive choreographers of um, Broadway history. So it started with the pajama game. Yes, um, and just sort of finishing off the Fosse Robbins conversation, then we can right. get onto the show. Mm-hmm. Um, one number that Robbins did step in the big final dance number, seven and a half cents. Fosse had them all mm-hmm. standing still and not dancing at all, and Robbins decided to step in. He didn't step in in steam heat. He thought he might have to, and then realized that Fosse was amazing with steam heat. But with seven and a half cents, Fosse was sort of having them stand and sing right out to the audience about their union grievances, and he stepped in and did some you know simple little movement. And Fosse later said, quote, I think I learned more in a couple hours watching him stage than I had learned previously in my whole life. He was very sweet about it, and he did the number. As he did the number, he would consult with me and ask me what I thought. I had no opinion at all. I was in such awe of the man. And in two hours, he staged this song absolutely brilliantly, and I am so glad. I think it was a turning point in my career as a choreographer. So, um, that's cute. So Fosse learned at the knee of Robbins, and it all connects together. So, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Shall we talk? Let's talk about the show. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into the show now, now that we've had that tidy little tidbit. <laughs> Great. So, Pajama Game. Uh, okay, so Sherelle did the show in middle school. Jeremy watched the film, which came out in what year? 1957. Great. Yes. And yes. this sounds right. Sure. It's 1957. And I saw the Broadway revival of the Pajama Game, um, which came out in i'm googling it right now um it had harry connick jr in it it uh left quite an impression um pajama game revival 2006 there we go 2006 so that would have been 11 years ago damn wow i would have been 20 24 25 24 wait what wait um, <laughs> hannah you're 25 right now no sorry 14 <laughs> no i know i'm sorry math is hard i was an english major i think college. that's the year we did um, it when i was in ninth grade that explains that explains a been, lot <laughs> I would have been 14 or 15. So did you see this on the same New York trip where you saw Three Penny that we talked about last week? I think so. That would make sense, right? Yeah, they were the same year. Summer they were both those six. Yeah. I love uh, really opposite ends of the spectrum for me. <laughs> yeah. We were talking last week about uh, Three Penny Opera, um, and they basically had this, like, leather-clad, um, like, uh, I don't know, sexy porn Three Penny Opera with Alan Cumming in it. Oh, that was incredible. Cindy Lauper was in it too. Oh. Anna Gasteyer was in it. The cast was pretty wild. Um, That's amazing. But on the opposite end of the coin, we have a very, <laughs> um, very tame, very uh, soft uh, production of Pajama Game yeah. with Harry Connick Jr. So Sherelle, you said you all of you, you and all your friends were upset when you heard Pajama Game was announced. Did you grow to like it? I I can say that <laughs> before I knew I was going to do this, I still. I hadn't listened to the pajama game in a while, but I would sing it to myself a lot. And the weird, I think the mm. song I remember the most is, I can't remember the name of it, but it's when Heinze's talking to Mabel about like, he's like, I would trust her, that one. I'll never be jealous again. Should we play a little clip of that? Oh, I think we must. That's a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Why do you love that song, Cheryl? I, I don't love it. It's the one that I still remember. You don't love it. <laughs> All right, here we go with it. To be clear. And we can talk over this, too. First of all, Mabel is underrated. Underrated? Yes. You stick to that now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's easier said than done. I can do it. I 
But let's take an example just for fun. Can you picture two 11 year olds, <laughs> like one dressed in a suit, the other in a dress, <laughs> doing like fake soft <laughs> shoe? Yeah, this one's charming. This also feels like it has nothing to do with the plot of Pajama King. Or like just the fact that it's yeah, nothing to do with set in like plot. a union. <laughs> yeah. Now that you said that, Jeremy, I can't not think about that. Um, just because it's such a specific setting, right? Like, um, and a lot of the show just truly has nothing to do with that. <laughs> And I do feel like we've been talking a lot about, like, the evolution of um, the American musical and the integration of, uh, I don't know, the the book and the score. And uh, this feels like a departure from that. <laughs> yeah, and these two guys, Adler and Ross, who wrote this show, and they also wrote Damn Yankees later, and then um, Ross mm. died very young, so their partnership was in the end. They were sort of mentored by Frank Lesser. He kind of discovered them. And for those who don't remember, Frank Lesser wrote the music and lyrics of Guys and Dolls, and we're also going to talk about How to Succeed in Business without really trying later on, which he also wrote. And it is rumored, and I guess these rumors are well-supported. A lot of people in the Broadway community believe these rumors are true, that Frank Lesser wrote up to four songs in this show secretly, music and lyrics. Um, and it's, it's very much... It's this is sort of I, I think of this as sort of like the like discount guys and dolls. It's also a musical comedy, um, very sort of hearkening to the old days of musical comedy. But whereas guys and dolls was able to sort of pretend that the songs were written about the plot, even though in reality or the plot was all written after the songs to match the songs that had already been written in advance. It sort of faked it well enough that you sort of thought. That it was an integrated musical. Mm. This barely has that at all. Other than the song Seven and a Half Cents, these songs are very yeah. much just could be from anything. So that's a good segue to my favorite song, um, which is the one where, uh, what's his face, the Roll Harry Kong Jr. plays. Um, Sid. With the jerky name. Originally um, played by John Wright, who was also the original <laughs> Billy Bigelow in Cabaret. Mm. Not from the movie version, but from the Broadway connected. version. Yes. Okay, Sid has the song where he's like, Hey there, oh, yeah. you with the stars in your eyes. So this was the... Yeah. And I know when we... I saw, go, yeah. No, okay, go ahead. Uh, Jared's pulling it up. Well, Harry Connick Jr., um, little known fact, maybe not a little known fact, is an incredible piano player. So he, like, played uh, piano live in the show. And then there was also... I don't know if it was pre-recorded. Um, it might have just been theater magic to make it seem like it was not pre-recorded, but he was, like, looping his own voice during the song, and it was a, a very charming moment, um, and 14-year-old uh, Hannah was very smart. So that is actually part of the show, is that he sings the song into a tape recorder and then plays it back to him and duets with himself. Let's play a, a Harry Connick version. Well, this looks like it's from a bootleg. I don't know yeah, if they made a soundtrack, it. actually. Oh, come on. It's so cute. I'm going to skip ahead to when he's singing with himself.
Good mechanic. Okay. So very clever. Yeah. Um, I just listening to it now. I'm thinking about how, like, in some ways, this musical reminds me of Annie Get Your Gun, where we have sort of like an arrogant, sort of like I don't know, more socially mobile guy, and then we sort of have like a feisty up and coming girl, and they sort of butt heads over like who is smarter and has more power. Um, Although she doesn't have to right? give up. Like, it feels like that's the trope. Yeah, she doesn't have to give up as much as Annie Get Your Gun. It's not quite right, it as sexist. Right? I do think she yes. probably... I don't think they work as a couple, but I don't think it's like either of them is in the wrong. I think they're both too fixated mm-hmm. on their lust and their physical attraction for each other at the expense of any actual mm-hmm. opinions in common or shared political beliefs. Because this is going to be, this whole issue where she's in the union, he's a union buster, this is going to happen for the rest of their lives. Like, I don't, I don't see very good prospects. (laughs) That's your take on it? Yes, that's my take. Shrill, what do you think? Um, Are they a match made in heaven? Is it going to, like, work out? Um, Are we going too deep with this? No, I, I think you mentioned this a little, Jeremy, but they fall in love very quickly. Things escalate really quickly. And it's unclear that it's mm-hmm. not just lust. <laughs> and, Heard. Heard. Yeah. like, exactly, like, the musical resolves, but this is going to come up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the trajectory of the musical, um, first they meet each other, they're really into each other. Um, he's singing, hey there, I guess he's going to, like, practice, like, falling in love with her or something like that. I don't know what it is. He sort of asks her out, and she says no, and then he pursues her even after she says no, which is textbook workplace sexual harassment. Um, but she sings the song "I'm Not at All in Love," where she tries to convince herself she's not at all in love. So let us. I'm gonna wash that man right out of my hair. Exactly. Oh, making connections. Oh, yes, I love connections. I love a narrative arc. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Great. She's clearly in love. What do you think, Sherelle? She's clearly, clearly in love. Enough. But I I mm-hmm. kind of, like, I'm rooting for Babe who's, like, not in love with Sid. Like, tell me, tell like in more. this song, like, I wish this song was, like, Babe was, like, she kind of, like, is pretending with herself like she's not in love, but I just really wish she just wasn't. And after this, like, right. I don't know. It's unclear what he does to win her over besides being like a handsome man like it's unclear <laughs> what she is like in like they never talk about i see why he likes her i think like she's like mm-hmm. okay she has this cause she believes in like he sees her taking control but it's like very unclear what babe has to get from this yeah, he doesn't woo her he doesn't yeah. show his good attributes if he has them yeah, I mean, wait, so they sing the song, unless I'm being crazy, there once was a woman yeah. who loved a man, uh, right? Oh, we'll play that soon. Well, so... The- uh, great. I mean, that's the wooing moment for me. I'm not in any way um, justifying that that oh, is... Oh, but that's the, after like, they just love. sing about yeah, falling but- in love. Oh, yeah. So, so they go to a big clam bake. It's not like the, like the clam bake <laughs> right, was right. The, the, clam bake, the, right. the carousel song. They have the equivalent where they have their mm-hmm. once a year day and they have their company picnic. Here is uh, once a year day, which had a big Fosse like choreography situation. That's a really good one for the movie as opposed to the musical because you get to like see all of the fun outdoor rolling on hills and dancing in the mud. 
Um, but they... So I guess this is them falling in love. Do you remember how it happened in your production? I think I don't remember, but so in the movie, he kind of just like yeah, they're just like kind of kiss and then are in love. Yeah. During the picnic. And then, so they kiss at the picnic. That's the first time they've kissed after she sings, I'm not at all in love. They've talked maybe two times. Then he invites her over to his home, and they sing the next song at his house. Or maybe it's her house. It's someone's house. They sing the next song. And they're extreme. In this song, they're very much singing about love mm-hmm. out of nowhere. So here's the next song, Small Talk. Mm-hmm. I'll just skip. No, honey, I do not want a western. <laughs> Food is not uppermost in my thoughts at the moment. I guess you want some coffee too, huh? No, no, it'll keep me away. Now cut that out. What's the matter, lover? I don't want to talk small talk. Now that I'm alone with you, I don't want to talk small talk. I'm picturing an 11 year old. Stop it, end this. End this now. I think they say they love Jerry. <laughs> end this. <laughs> I hate this. I would like this to be over. <laughs> okay, I recollect that, or I recall that they recall. say they love each other somewhere in that song. However, mm-hmm. I don't care enough to search through it and find that moment. Because <laughs> I don't like that song. Yeah. Um, Small talk. Clearly the best song of the musical, not. Um, the best line of that song is, what do you think they charge for ham now? Which is one of the small talk topics she brings up. The price of ham. Oh, that's horrifying. <laughs> the song doesn't doesn't hold up, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it comes out, I don't think it holds up uh, particularly well. Um, I, uh, I think that uh, he's being a dick. Yeah. She sort of wants, because they have nothing in common, nothing to actually talk about. And she's trying to find things for them to talk about so they can bond on more than a physical level. And he's saying, no, don't talk. Let's just bond on a physical level, which mm-hmm. is not what they need and mm-hmm. is not mm-hmm. conducive to a loving long-term relationship. Yeah. And that's why it'll never work out. <laughs> Great. Cool. The next song right after that, and this, uh-huh. they, they've just basically decided that, okay, we're in love now. Like, we're literally in love, um, even though we've never had a serious conversation about anything. They immediately go from that into a song that um, allegedly was maybe written by Frank Lesser. And of all the songs on the show, this has the least to do with the plot. This seems like it's a song that had been written by someone like 10 years earlier. That they decided to just trot out and put in at this point in the musical. Right after this faux romantic song we just listened to, Small Talk, now there's like this big weird cowboy-esque number. Yeah, okay, that's um, what I was talking about. I'm going to play the movie version with Doris Day because I actually like her performance better than the Broadway woman. So here mm-hmm. we go. 
Doris Day How can I show wrong. what I would do? We'll start with John Bates first. Here we go. Loved a woman. She was 28 that I pulled for. They say that nobody ever loved as much as he. But me. I love you more. Tell me. There once was a woman who loved a man. That was really fun. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of fun. Belongs nowhere yeah. near that musical, but the most fun, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. Mm-hmm. Literally have no idea why it's <laughs> there. Also, it's right after Small... I don't know if anything happens between Small Talk and this. I don't think so. Not in the movie. I think they just start singing this. Do they bone? Very good. Oh, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yes. Okay. No, yeah. that yes. Because they were inside for small talk, and then it just cuts them standing outside the same house, like singing about how much they love each other in a jaunty cowboy yeah. tune. You're right. Oh my god. This is yeah. Totally like post coital number. Okay. So wait. So so in middle school, let's just get back to that. <laughs> what I want to. I really know. Like I really feel like um you can bring us like a really unique and authentic perspective. Like. How is this handled? What were your thoughts? Do you have any adages specific to like your middle school production Adag- of adages this is the right show? Word. I thank you. I think like I think the when you're doing this with like 13 and 14 year olds, it's like avoid as much sexual like as anything that is sexual in the show, just kind of like gloss over. And this mm-hmm. was just like a fun song that like the audience would really like. Um, mm-hmm. It was also one that I don't believe any ensembles in, so then mm-hmm. it was just fun for like all of us to watch, like whoever played the leads. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like definitely just like oh, this is like after that everybody's like huge claps because like you're like oh, babe's gonna hit that high note. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, it doesn't. It lacks mm-hmm. the. It doesn't make any more sense when it's done by thirteen and fourteen year olds. I would say. Were you resentful at all towards the girl who got the lead role? I'm trying to remember. One, so it was double cast, as okay. most things are in mm-hmm. high school. I didn't get a lead until I was a senior, so what? I was okay with... I don't know. I think I wanted to be Gladys, which I also... Mm-hmm. But I think that's the role I wanted. But you got May. That's not nothing. It's not nothing. It's true. So I got to hang out with the babe. I think the, the person who played babe was my friend, too. Mm-hmm. So, and she was talented. I think she still acts. Where did you grow up again? In Philly. In Philly, okay. In Philly. And like... This was GFS, right? This was GFS. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. it was it was good. And I ended up continuing theater. So, I did have a good experience in the pajama game. Enough that I continued doing theater. This is probably the first musical I was in. Would you say that this was a pivotal moment for you? <laughs> um... <laughs> I can't say that. I think steam. I think performing in Steam Heat was. Wait, so you were in Steam Heat? Was everyone in Steam Heat? No, only the people who could dance. Okay, so it wasn't just three people. <laughs> no, it wasn't just three people, but it also was, yeah, it was just, like, people who could dance. Was it Fosse-esque? Like, did they try yes. to copy? It was exactly, yeah. It was almost exactly <laughs> like the movie version, except... Until it got complicated. Yeah. So you, you were you like sliding around on your knees? There was some sliding around on knees action. There were bowler hats. 
a lot of high choreography. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and it was, yeah, that was just like a fun choreographed number. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, again, has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually, if, 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 Uh, you out there listening haven't been to any high school theater performances. I don't know why you wouldn't have. It can sometimes be stunning how good the choreo is, just because like you get these choreographers who maybe want to do something else with their life. Like whatever. I'm, <laughs> now I'm a high school gym teacher, so I'm gonna teach these kids to dance really well. Um, and it's crazy how all these like idiot fourteen year olds were doing much better dances than like all of us did at Penn. Yeah. When we were like actually college age people. Mm-hmm. I don't know in high school. Like I'm trying to remember if people were actually good in Steam Heat. And I don't remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, didn't really do any musicals until I got to uh, out of college, so I have no, I have no uh, perspective here because I didn't do any musicals during our time at Penn. But you ah. did use. Uh, it's funny. The three of us in this conversation, each of the past three episodes of Broadway Binge was one of our very first musicals mm-hmm. that we were ever in. Because two episodes ago, we did South Pacific, which was Hannah's first which musical. Which is, yeah, I was in, in the third grade. I was and last week, we did South King Pacific. and I, which is my first musical. And now, um, <laughs> Damn Game is our first musical. Yeah. Well, so. Ah, I love a narrative arc. Great. <laughs> anyway, okay, so getting back to Pajama Game. Um, maybe we give some love to sort of the subplots of the show a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, Cheryl, can you take us through a little bit of um, your character and, um, you know, who is she? What does she need? Uh, what's her place in the pajama game? May? Yes. I don't, I like, I don't even know if I was May. That's how irrelevant she is to the plot. I do want to talk about Heinze, though. Okay, great. Let's do that. <laughs> I don't remember who that is, so you'll have to take us through. The knife-throwing man? Oh, yeah. Who is... Oh. What, which, like, so he's, like, I just, I want to get your guys' thoughts. Maybe you didn't notice him. Well, I noticed that there was someone, th- I was really confused that there was some guy who I wasn't sure if he was on management or labor. I didn't know who he was or what his role was in the company. And he's in love with a secretary woman who is also the steam heat dancer. And he's jealous of her and starts throwing knives at yeah. Sid because he thinks she has a thing with Sid, which isn't true. But I couldn't really yeah. follow it. I was only paying half attention. I was like crocheting at the same time because yeah, that was more fun. I also don't know what his. <laughs> I don't know what his role is in the company. Really, unclear. Unclear. Yeah. I. Yeah, unclear what his role in the company is. But he, the whole subplot with Gladys, I don't really understand why it's there. Besides the fact that he gets jealous that she was out with Sid. It doesn't really add anything except for knife throwing, which is a theme throughout this. Oh, yeah, and then Babe at the the clam bake uh, offers herself to put an apple on her head and to have him throw knives at her. Yes. And he throws knives really badly. It's it's a lot of danger for not good reason. I thought he was drunk the whole time. Yeah, why did she volunteer for that? Like, it didn't even work with her character. I'm really... Clearly the plot eluded us. Right, well, I'm just thinking, too, like, it doesn't come to bear in any significant way later, you know no. what I mean? No. Like, it's like, like, that's the thing that happens. There's not, like, some, like, moment in the end where it's relevant that, like, these characters, like, had plot points surrounding knife throwing. Right. But truly, there's there's no payoff. Exactly. I would, I almost wish that um, the people in the union had bigger, mm-hmm. like, bigger roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I really think, like, 
like what do you think i was trying to think what is this about like what is this musical about <laughs> right like at the end of the day what should i take after i what, what would you like how would you articulate what it's about if you were forced to if i was forced to <laughs> i would say yeah. it's about the sh- the the conflict between union and management um and how do you resolve that in a world where like you have to interact as humans together also oh, is that God. actually what it's about or is that what it would be about if it was good no that's what it'd be about <laughs> if it was good because it doesn't resolve in any way like we don't get a <laughs> A conclusion about how to handle that at all or any guidance yeah. at all it's just the situations like presented but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think it's just yeah it's bizarre should we just play hernando's hideaway oh please do yeah let's just play hernando's hideaway That's this is the other hit um the first Speaking hit was the one English. that we played harry connick singing to himself hey there the other hit from this was mm-hmm. hernando's hideaway um which i'll have some more to say about later i guess but another song it's like truly Truly, there is no you cannot find a way to justify this song being in the show other than it just other than it just being a good song that the writers liked. I know a dark, secluded place, a place where no one knows your face, a glass of wine, a fast embrace. It's called Hernando's Hideaway. Holy, all you see becomes a big Latin dance number with the whole cast. Yeah, it's not great. And no one cares how late it gets. Not at Hernando's Hideaway. Holy. So. Oh wait. Okay, sorry. Sidebar, Kelly O'Hara played Babe in the version oh. that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. which is also a nice segue or a nice a nice uh, relation to King and I, which we talked about last week. Um, anyway, sorry. Back to uh, Hernando's Hideaway. Yeah, like why, why, why? So, <laughs> do any of you know the song "Dance with Me" by I don't know how to pronounce her name, Debella Morgan? It's from like the year two thousand. It's so good, and yes, based off of Hernando's Hideaway. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait. Do you have it ready, Jerry? Yeah, here, I'll pull it. You this haven't is... heard this? It's incredible. So this was like a number oh, eight no. hit in the year 2000. Oh, God. I remember this. <laughs> oh, this is taking me back to, like, whatever how great I was in. This was number eight on the Billboard Hot 100. I love the trickle down of uh, bad Broadway into uh, bad pop music. I'd say mediocre Broadway and mediocre pop music. Yeah, heard. Fair, fair. That was, yeah, that was a little uh, hawkish of me. Yeah. Um, so back to um, Hernando's Hideaway. Yeah, I don't know. I have questions. <laughs> what are your questions? <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, like, why is it Hernando's Hideaway? Who's Hernando? I think it might have been a real place in suburban Chicago, because this whole thing takes place in, like, Iowa. Mm, like, I think it was, like, yeah. a place in Peoria. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it does feel, I dare say, like, a little, like, appropriative. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yes. Like, Olay, his establishment south of the border where we can go have, like, a naughty time. I don't know. You know, just doesn't hold up great. Yeah, it's, uh... yeah. It's definitely like they want, it seems like they had the music and then were like, oh, 
how can we incorporate this? And Yeah, let's do a Latin yeah. number. Like, mm, mm. Hernando's Highway was a real place in, like, northwest what? Illinois. Because this whole show takes place okay. in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So when they want to go to, like, a fun club, I guess the closest place is, like, northwest Illinois, which is not a place that is known for its fun, exciting things. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and then the whole resolution of the show, for the most part, takes place there while people are getting drunk and right. dancing. Right. I see. I don't Great. What else? What else? Hernandez. <laughs> Great. So I will say that this was, I wanted to be Gladys so I could sing Hernando's Hideaway. I mean, Because yeah. that's the song you want to be singing if you, I don't know, if you're me. I mean, <laughs> heard <laughs> um, i mean this this could be your moment if you want to do a couple bars like i'm just saying no nope. it's, <laughs> it's gonna be a no it's gonna be a no great sorry go on but of all the songs hernando's hideaway doesn't bother me much <laughs> i mean because at least yeah. it stands on its own as a good song yeah it's like a yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um no heard were you yeah, a fan of the, the year 2000 version did you know that song um, I think I think only after I was in the pajama game, it like I heard that song again, and I was like, made the connection, and it was incredible. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is literally just Hernando's Hideaway in a pop song. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this, so I have listened to it in the past. But mm-hmm. can we think of any more recent Word. hits that quote Broadway songs? I mean, um, yes. I forget which Gwen Stefani song. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, If I Was a Rich Girl. Oh, yeah. oh that's not the Gwen Stefani song I was talking about. <laughs> what? But, Gwen Stefani, say it ain't so. But no, but yeah, that's a good one. No, she does one um, yeah. also based off of a Sound of Music song. What? Yeah. What, we should probably unpack that at some point. Like, what with, is it that Gwen Stefani is doing specifically? Oh, yeah, why did she do that? Sound of Music. Oh, to- yeah. That was the weirdest Gwen Stefani. High in the hill is a lonely Yes, there is a Gwen Stefani song that has that starts out like that. Why? Um, would oh she yeah, wind it up. That was the music. weirdest hit of 2006. <laughs> Speaking of 2006, I'm gonna play a little bit. Yeah. There's no justification. <laughs> Much like any song in the pajama game. Young fans listening, this was a big hit in 06. Chapter. Oh my god, she totally is. Yeah, um, so that's an example. Okay. And that's Rich an Girl's example. probably a better one and more obvious. If I were a rich one. girl. Yeah, horrifying. Both horrifying. We're all huge Broadway fans here, and as much as I'd like to see us represented in popular culture, I think maybe it would be a better move for pop stars to At not what cost? Broadway. At what cost, Jeremy? When has it, when has it worked? Uh, the, the Jay-Z song is pretty good. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a hard knock Wait, life. Yeah, that was I a, love that song. That was pretty good. That's probably yeah. the last recent. Um, I also remember someone quoted Popular from Wicked. I couldn't remember the song off the top oh, of my head. Yes. It wasn't a big hit. It was like they played it on the radio for a week, but like in the hopes that maybe it would rise up the charts, but then it just didn't happen, so the radio stopped playing it. Mm-hmm. They were like, never yeah. mind, we're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as mm-hmm. a person who likes yeah. pop music, 
and Broadway music. It's, I'm okay if they're separate. Yeah. I mean, her, so this is a nice segue into, uh, I think I talked about this last week too. I saw the SpongeBob musical recently. Mm. And what's really interesting about the SpongeBob musical is every song was written by a different uh, band or artist. So like mm. they might be giants wrote a song. David Bowie wrote a song for the SpongeBob musical before he passed. Rest in peace. Wow. Um, Patty, stop eating that. Sorry. My cat uh, wants to be part of this podcast so badly. Um, uh, who else wrote music? Um, Cindy Lauper wrote a song for the SpongeBob musical. Anyway, it's just like interesting to watch the conversation between pop music and Broadway start to happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, much like it did back in the pajama game. <laughs> yeah, because there were hits out of this. And we're coming close to the end of that period. Probably the 60s is, is the end of when Broadway songs become pop mm-hmm. songs. I mean, the last one off the top of my head I can think of is Send In the Clowns, which was from the 1970s. But I think random people on the street knew that song. Um, and I don't, I can't mm-hmm. think of any examples after that of a crossover. Maybe Rand, I wasn't listening to the radio in 96. It wouldn't shock me if someone put like La Vie Boheme or like 525,600 minutes on the radio. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with all that said, I think we should get down to the ranking of Pajama Game because I feel as though we've discussed, uh, we've exhausted all things Pajama Game related. Yes. Um, okay, so yeah. I'm gonna, um, Sherelle can see, Hannah cannot, <laughs> that I have a fancy spreadsheet um, that I didn't used to have, which does all the adding for us. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, fine. So for everyone out there listening, and for Sherelle's benefit, we do three different scores. Uh, the scores are Hannah, Sherelle, and I will each give it a score from 1 to 10 on was this important, which is how much did this affect the future of Broadway um, or America. Then <laughs> a second score is was it good? Compared only to the shows before this show came out, was this a good show? Score 1 to 10. And then the last score of 1 to 10 is, is it good? If it opened on Broadway today, how good would the show be in comparison to other shows? Does it stand up? Mm-hmm. So we're each going to give it a score mm-hmm. 1 to 10. Um, and, Sherelle, would you like to start off, or would you like to let me and Hannah go first, and then you can sort of... Um, I'll let you and Hannah go first. I'm, I'm thinking about this. Okay. Know that, like... You can be as much of a wrench as you oh, as good. you yeah. Like you don't need to obey our rules right. or our logic. Part of us having a guest is like it's a fun time, but also just follow your heart, you know. Um, our last guest, yeah, Todd Bonaparte, came on and gave Guys and Dolls such a high score that it became our number one show. Oh um, well, breaking yeah. our system. So he really yeah. screwed it up. But, but then we passed it. We're self-specific. But uh, I guess I'll go first with was yeah. this important? Great. I have my score. I have my score in mind. Have mine. Two. Okay. Let's still say. I was gonna say two. Okay. What are you gonna say, Cheryl? Cheryl. So I'm gonna. gonna I'm gonna boost it purely for I think Fosse. Oh, good. Good point. So so yeah. What what's, so what point, number? Give it for what? See, it's like yeah. It's like how much does that actually boost it up? But I would give it like two more extra points. Like I'm gonna have four. But mm-hmm. let's just only do nice. that for Steam Heat. Okay. I'm just putting your numbers in a random mm-hmm. spot. No, listen, follow, follow, speak your truth, you know. Okay, so uh, a, a two, a two. That's true, yeah. This four. was, okay. this is uh, the beginning of Fosse. Um, I I would still give it a two because I don't know if the show itself was important so much as Fosse is, but that is valid. Four is like, I think, a totally acceptable number. Okay, was it important? How good was it compared right. to the other shows? Was it good? Was it good? Yeah. Right? Okay, I have a score no, in mind. Not was it important? Wait, wait, wait. What One to ten, was it good? Yeah. Was it good? Okay. Um, How do you go first? 
Okay, I mean, I don't know. Um, um, I'm, I'm going to give it a five just because it was, like, I know it was very popular at the time. Like, I don't think it was, like, important or special, but it was, like, a happy taft of joy um, aloft on the uh, on the wind that was Broadway. Oh, okay. my God. Cut out me speaking. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to give it a three. Mm. I didn't like it. And, and I Savage. know people liked it at the time, but we're not saying did people like it at the time. If we want that, we could read the reviews and see that people did like it at the time. What we are saying is do we think it was good compared to the shows that had come it out? Good. And I'm looking at The King and I. I'm looking at yeah. South Pacific, Guys and Dolls, Annie Get Your Gun. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at amazing shows that we absolutely love. I could barely sit through this show. I know it was the movie version. It wasn't the stage version. But still, when, when Fosse choreo was not happening on the screen... I couldn't be bothered to care about what was happening. It was really boring. So I'm giving it a three. Cheryl? So I, I'm also giving this a four. Okay. Um, okay. I'm just, I prefer actually more modern musicals in my musical taste. Mm-hmm. So in general, I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting much out of the pajama game. But like I was able to know a lot of songs still stick with me. I... I see the why I would go I would go watch the like Harry Connick Jr. revival if that were still a thing I would like mm-hmm. want to see that mm-hmm. so okay so mm-hmm. it was a fun time it was so I guess on that note now we're gonna say is it good compared to every musical up to the present day so Ed and Hamilton Wicked all of your faves now on a scale of one to ten how good is this show slotting it into every show that's ever been released in history Sherelle you can go first this time okay I'll let you take your time. Yeah. Oh. Follow your heart. I'm a two. <gasps> okay, great. It's a two from Sherelle. Okay. For me, it's a it's a three. Just because, like, I do think there's some craft and, like, there are some musicals that are so That's much true. worse. <laughs> you know, like, it's harmless. At the end of the day, it's, like, it's, you know, I mean, maybe even higher than that. Maybe a three and a half for me. Because it's, like, it's a competently written uh, musical. I don't know. You're... I, no, that's fair. Um, three and a half is okay. I'm going to give it a 1.5, which is um, my lowest scores <laughs> I've given are Carousel and Kiss Me Kate, which were terribly sexist in endorsing abuse and um, like beating your spouse. So I don't want to give this a score as low as that. It also had good numbers I liked, such as mm. If I Was a Man, or what, uh, what was the song? There Once Was a Man. There Once Was a Man. <laughs> was a man. Um, and Steam. <laughs> I like if I was a man better. Uh, if I was a man who loved a woman. That's funny. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll give it a 1.5. Um, that means that the total score for Hannah and I is 17, which I think is by far our last place so far. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of math yeah. and add in Sherelle's score. All right, so we just did the math. And if you took just Hannah and I into account, it had a score of 17. When you take Sherelle into account, it has a score of 18. Still in last place. Um, and even if you add five points to that, because we had talked about last episode adding in a second ranking where you take into account the run of the show. So this uh, show ran 1,063 performances. The previous longest running show before that uh, continues to be Oklahoma. I'm, we're not going to count three pennies off-Broadway run because the off-Broadway numbers just really throw everything off. So basically, do the math on that. Mm-hmm. That gets a score 5 out of 10 on its run total because it ran for half as long as the longest-running show that had ever been out at that point. So even if you add five points to its score, it still comes in last place with a score of 22 on that ranking. So the, no matter what ranking you use, Pajama Game is last place. 
on our list. I feel kind of bad that we brought in Sherelle for our last place episode, but maybe uh, yeah. that's special. No, I think. Yeah, I think it's. It was good. a good time. Well, because I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't think I'd be able to participate until you guys were like in the two thousands. <laughs> you know, that's those no. are the type of musicals. Little I did you know, it's a, it's a little harder for me to get the ones before before the fifties. I have a lot of problems as a woman of color <laughs> listening to a lot of musicals. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I should have ranked the yeah. pajama game a little bit higher because Heard overall it's, it's pretty. Imagine it's to sidestep racism by having no people of color yeah, in the show. I don't know if that's a solution, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. We're getting into it now. Yeah. I mean, no, it's true. I mean, like, a big part of this podcast, I feel like, up to this point is us, like, being like, cool, like, so this show was really racist and very sexist. And, like, is there any way to talk about its content um, without dismissing those issues. <laughs> and it's weird because, like, Pajama Game now has one of the lowest scores, but it does merit noting. I guess it's, like, slightly less racist and sexist than other shows we've talked about, but you make a good point, which is, like, by sidestepping yeah. it entirely. Yeah, I think it's just really any better. because... And like, that also might like, be why it is... Why, like, before we were saying high schools and middle schools do it. Like, mm-hmm. I... This was one musical where I was like, oh, I could be cast in any role. Well, okay, so this is like literally my mom. I just had a conversation with my mom um, about uh, my high school, which has a large um, portion of exchange students like from Asia. Um, And my, I guess the like teacher was going to do The King and I. And um, my mom basically was Mm -hmm. like, hey, you should maybe Google that and just like see what people are like saying now in like a more enlightened era. And like, I think you should be Mm -hmm. careful about doing The King and I um, at a school with like a large uh, population of Asian exchange students. And she Googled it and was like, oh my God, um, wow, yeah, no, maybe I won't. I'll do like the music thing or pajama game instead. Um, Yeah. So yeah, maybe we've answered our initial question about why it is so popular in schools. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. What a good note to end on. (laughs) This just isn't a great show. I don't know what what else to put it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so like the flip side, right, is like we were talking about South Pacific two weeks ago, um, which is like we think like a pretty exceptional show. Like it doesn't hold up perfectly um, in a lot of ways. It actually doesn't even hold up well. But it was a show that was like seeking to talk about racism. So Yeah, no, totally. It's It's like, yeah, I think a lot like what we're out of talking about the show. We're like, there's not much there. (laughs) Um, so like, besides (laughs) maybe small talk, like a lot of it holds up like, okay. Yeah. I think our subheading on this episode wants to be in quotations. (laughs) There's not much there. Sherelle Bryan. (laughs) Too many last thoughts, Sherelle. Um, no, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Closing closing feelings. We'll have you on for a more fun musical. Oh, I already know which one I want to claim. Which one? Do it now so it's official. Next to normal. Oh, yeah? Okay. Whenever you get to it. All right, we'll we'll, we'll call you back in two years. That that lets you know the type of musicals that I'm into. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's going to be fun. It's like in my top ten of all time. Okay, great. See you then. A good choice. I was just going to say, I was at the gym yesterday and Perfect for You came on, and I was out of shuffles because I won't pay for Spotify, and so I had to like, run to Perfect for You. No, you'll love that. Just I really just do that on purpose. Um, anyway, sorry. How do you think I made it through my marathon? No, I wouldn't do it with that song. 
No, right. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So, uh, that was your. That was your. This is like there's a world. I I yeah, I won't say it, that it's not on my marathon playlist. <laughs> I won't. I won't say that it's not. No. Do, yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug? Any gigs upcoming? Oh, I don't have any upcoming yeah. gigs, but oh, if I please. do. I'll let you guys know. Hannah, do you have anything you want to plug? We haven't done plugs in a while. Well, if people. I mean, always, but Sherelle, if people were wanting to listen to m- your music, oh. is there a way they could do that? <laughs> you could, you can look up my name, but hopefully there'll be new music soon from me. Hope to record in like the next month or so. So, yeah. Great. Well, when you do, I'll we'll you link to know. it um, on our wonderful, our wonderful Podbean website. Um, I don't think I have anything to plug at this present moment, uh, Jeremy. Um I think I think I'm gonna start rehearsals for a new show in a couple of weeks, and then I'm sure I'll want to plug it. Um, I don't know. The Greenfield Collective's Ooh. about to start selling T-shirts, so uh, you know, uh, last-minute Christmas presents. You can get a, um, a T-shirt from a theater company that you're yeah, never heard of. It's a fun uh, logo with an umbrella. Uh, so next week we are going to be doing Great. Uh, Peter Pan. <laughs> Um, we're going to try to get a guest on that episode as well, so you all will find out who that is when we get there, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, be sure to subscribe to Broadway Binge if you haven't done it yet. Um, you can find it on any podcast app. You can go to our website, broadwaybinge.podbean.com, to see pictures and links. We're on Twitter at Broadway underscore binge. We're on Instagram at Broadway Binge with no underscore. Um, last thing, if you are listening to this podcast and you live in the state of Oregon, there's someone who has mysteriously <laughs> been downloading the same episode over and over again like first they downloaded and you get your gun like 40 <laughs> times then they switched to pal joey like 40 times and now they're currently doing the porgy and Bess episode so it's really messing up all of our numbers and making it seem like pal joey and porgy and Bess are our best episodes when they used to be like by far our worst two episodes so if you're in oregon I just want to mm-hmm. warn you, it's possible that your phone is automatically re-downloading our episodes over and over again, so look into that. Check it out. Um, but if not, if it's yeah, on purpose, like, you. honestly, um, power to you. Power to you, yeah, and get in um, touch. Tweet us at Broadway underscore band. Let's, let's start a conversation. Um, <laughs> Alright, everyone, it was great to talk to you okay, all, so great. thank you so much. Oh, thank Woo. you, guys. Thank you, Sherelle. Bye. Bye. Bye.